It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. What is going on? Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. My name is Gabe Henderson, filling in for Ron Johnson right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Show. Of course, as always, we got Sam Mextrom, producer on the ones and twos, and today we have a loaded show for you guys today. We talked to Brandon Warren, who is the Locked On Twins insider, who's going to give us his take on the Twins that are 36 and 29 right now. So a lot to talk about about the baseball team here in the Twin Cities. And we talk about the NBA Finals. Of course, everybody wants to hear about that. So we get there. We talk Twins. We talk Vikings OTAs. But more importantly, before we get there, let's hear from a word from our sponsors. Sam? Thanks, Gabe. Arcade One Up sponsors today's opening segment. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they made it bigger than ever with a, wait for it, Shaq edition. Uh, People absolutely love this game. You can jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA-licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from ArcadeOneUp.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. Check this out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition to a lockdown listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8 to enter to win the NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. And now back to the show. Gabe? Yeah, you're talking about Arcade 1-Up. I wish they would have uh, simulated last night's Game 5 uh, Golden State Warriors as Boston Celtics game last night because that game was insane. But before we talk basketball, um, I want to introduce myself to fans who don't know who I am because chances are there's going to be a few chances between now and the end of 2022 that we'll be seeing each other and conversing a little bit. So like I said, my name is Gabe Henderson. I am the on-air talent for the Minnesota Vikings here in Egan. And uh, being in the building at the TCO Performance Center the last couple of weeks, um, well, the past couple of years, I started in June. I I must say the last couple of days have been night and day compared to the last couple of months. Uh, Sam, as you know, usually um, at the end of the season, I say like January 2nd or January 3rd. This year, January 9th, because that was the last game of the season with week seven, week 18. Mm-hmm. Um, there was supposed to have been a break in between uh, June, uh, January 10th and whenever, you know, off season, the offseason program start. We didn't have that. January 27th, uh, Vikings, the Vikings hired general manager, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, and then the head coaching process began. And my point right now that I'm all trying to make is that the the building is eerie right now. People that have, that work in this football industry deserve this time off. And the fact that we have not gotten that, that means, you know, Vikings fans or Minnesota fans have been tuned in to everything going on and it makes everything exciting. But 
like I said, this football industry deserves some time off. And Sam, I know you and I get to talk Vikings football a lot. And the fact that I've seen you at OTAs and the Vikings offseason program thus far, I, I, I got to ask you, before I give you my take, I got to ask you, what were what was your just opinion of uh, the Vikings offseason program with this new regime, with everything going on, with, with 90 players on the field? We know these guys, won't, a lot of those guys won't be on uh, after training camp, but the fact that we got to see what – uh, an identity of what this offense slash defense would be with this new Vikings regime. What, what was your take? Uh, honeymoon period. That's my take. It, it feels like the optimism is riding high. This is classic offseason in the NFL where uh, you feel like you are close. You feel like you've shuffled the deck enough. You've brought in some new voices that are going to get you over the top. Obviously, when you you know change coaching staffs, you're going to probably you're going to enjoy that new voice in your ear at first. Uh, you're going to enjoy the bedside manner of a Kevin O'Connell, especially when the coach is as you know affable and personable as an as an O'Connell or even Quasi as well. Uh, you, you really do feel like there's a lot of kumbaya going on. Everybody is excited to learn. They're not you know getting their their butts chewed out in practice. It's it's very chill. It's chill. There's a lot of educating going on, the class on the grass thing that the Kevin O'Connell talks a lot about. I don't know if I've seen anything eye-popping. It's more just about, all right, I can tell that things are moving pretty slowly right now. There's a lot of walk-through pace at practice. They're just figuring this offense out, and, and everybody seems to be swimming a little bit mentally you know, above the neck trying to figure this thing out. But um, everyone seems pretty pumped about it, and I, I think that when you look at this roster compared to where I thought it might be, after last season, uh, they've put themselves in position to be right there in the hunt once again. The big question is, does this new coaching staff and these changes, does that give you enough to get over the top into those double-digit wins? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And uh, just speaking of the last point you made with, does this coaching staff get you to that point? I think they do personally. And I, I know a lot of people are probably saying, all right, this guy, he works for the Vikings. He's supposed to say this. This is just the company answer. But when you look at the Vikings record last year, eight and nine, you had 14 games decided by a score or less. We only won, I believe, six of those games that were decided by a score or less and then lost the, the remainder. When you look at that, you say, okay, a lot of that was game management. A lot of that was coaching. A lot of that was just not being in the right position at the right time. And that's not a, a jab to uh, Mike Zimmer or Mike Zimmer's staff. It's just more so of, hey, you just couldn't figure it out. Maybe there was just some lulls or some blind spots that you don't see, especially being with the team for eight years. So now you get a fresh new perspective. Now you see things from a different perspective. And these players have that perspective to be able to put that with this new regime. And uh, I really didn't understand how mental this game was until, well, I, I understood, but I feel like a lot of people didn't really understand how mental this game was until this coaching change. And I feel like coaching changes help you understand that because when you talk to a, when I talked to a guy named Adam Thielen earlier this year, he says, I mean, he's learning the playbook all over again. So he's taking plays home and he's like, okay, I got this master today. And then he goes back the next day to practice and was like, okay, I got this master. Kevin O'Connell throws 20 more plays at him. So the quick, the people who pick up the playbook the quickest are the ones who have the best chance of getting on the field. So the fact that you said it's been a honeymoon period, I, I believe that's that's going to start waning off here pretty soon. Once we start getting into the, the the thick of things in camp, I believe it's the end of July when things start. But more importantly, you just look at that and say, okay, we expect you guys to go home with the playbook. We expect you guys to learn everything that's going on. And then when we come back in 48 or 42 days or however you want to put it, I can't think of the number right now, 
you better know what's going on because we're going to be ripping you now. Now, now football actually starts. So this is this is a fun period. But more importantly, I'm just looking forward to seeing how these rookies grasp this offense and this defense. Lewis Saint, I had the opportunity. Um, we went to this event. We had this rookie event last Friday uh, at Traxler's, which is about an hour and a half south of Egan. And it was just like, you know, a, a gun range, but it was more so like a team bonding experience. And uh, just being around Lewis, he gets it. I know Lewis team was on this show with Ron Johnson, and uh, he, he said a lot of really good things after he got drafted, but he's a guy that just gets it. When you talk to him, he's just like, hey, a lot of the stuff that, you know, people are telling me, I'm listening to them. These veterans or these, you know, retired guys that are giving me their advice, I'm listening, I'm prepared, I'm ready. But at the same time, like, I've been in this system with Deion Sanders with Prime for years now. So I think he's going to get that 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 gist. He's going to get the, the, the gist of how the NFL works. It's just the, the next crop of rookies, the Andrew Booths of the world, uh, the Evan Ingrams of the world. Um, so that, that's what I'm most excited about to see how those guys grasp. But but for you, just seeing these rookies, being at rookie minicamp, OTAs, mandatory minicamp, are there any rookies outside of Lewis scene that stand out to you that, that really have a good chance of, of making some plays in year one? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Gabe, because – I think the Vikings did a pretty good job in their offseason approach of filling every starting role with with a body. Like they've got veterans in these key spots. So they they don't need necessarily a lot of these rookies to step in and play week one. They're going to be more about depth. Um, but you look at the cornerback position, guys get banged up a lot. Cam Dantzler has a bit of an injury history. So you're going to need either an Andrew Booth Jr. or an a Caleb Evans to be yeah. able to step in at some point. I, I personally think Cam Dantzler is on a pretty good trajectory. I know he's struggled in two-minute situations and, and people scapegoat him a lot in the end-of-game situations, but he's really been a pretty good corner play to play. I think he and Patrick Peterson are going to be a nice tandem there, but I like their corner depth now. They've got that pipeline, right? Yeah. You know, when, when things don't work out with Jeff Gladney, things don't work out with Mike Hughes, you really don't – you didn't have – corner depth. I want to be respectful of Jeff Gladney as well, because I know that he okay. recently passed away in a, a tragic incident. Um, but with Evans and Booth on that bench, like fourth guy off the bench or fifth guy in that position room, um, I think that that bodes well for the future of this secondary. And then, you know, you can have different sub packages with Lewis Seen involved and Cam yeah. Bynum maybe moving around. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can play this. And that's one thing that struck me, Gabe, is just Seeing the 3-4 on the field, it does play games with your eyes compared to what we saw with Mike Zimmer for years with that 4-3. Everything was very, um, I guess, like, it, you, you knew what to expect. You had the four yeah. down linemen, you had Barr and Kendricks in the middle, and now there's just there's people all over the place in that second level flying around. Um, so I can appreciate sort of those defensive differences, and I think uh, it's going to be good to have a lot of good young depth on that defense. Yeah, that, that's going to help a ton and mixing the, the depth with some of the young talent and some of the experience, the, the Pro Bowl experience on that defensive side of the ball with this offense, this Vikings offense that's already proven itself. I think that makes for a recipe for success. And, and I personally think that gets the Vikings at least 10 wins this season. I've been on record basically saying the floor, I believe, right now for this Vikings team is 10 wins. I hope I'm right. But more importantly, it, it all starts with this offense continuing to make a step. Kevin O'Connell is already an offensive guru. He's already still coaching the quarterbacks. He's been a quarterbacks coach slash offensive coordinator the last six to seven years of his career. So I'm expecting this offense to make steps, but that all depends on where Kirk Cousins is 
and his comfortability in this offense. If Kirk Cousins is still overthinking things, then I think this offense slows down. When you look at just this Kevin O'Connell offense, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the quarterback to go in, go up to the line of scrimmage, look at what he sees on the defense, and then call and check the play from there. Kirk Cousins, he's never had to do that in his career. So the fact that he has the opportunity to do that now, we'll see how, how this offense works. If Kirk Cousins has a, a Matt Stafford-type comfortability, I think this Vikings team, you, you may get 11 wins from this team this year because Matt Stafford, when you look at that offense, and he got there last March uh, in, in L.A. from, from Detroit, the first thing you said after and during his first press conference, because he got his playbook before the first press conference, he said, this is the most complex playbook he has ever seen. So when you hear him say that, and then you bring that playbook to Minnesota, and then Kirk, one of the smartest dudes on the team, says the same thing, you say, okay, it's all on Kirk's hands now. We know we got Dalvin. We know what JJ is going to do. We know what Irv is going to do when he gets back healthy. We know what this offensive line is going to do. You just got to figure out that right guard position. This offense depends on Kirk. And I think however however Kirk goes, that's how this offense will be. But outside of that, I, I got to ask you before we go to break. Yeah. What next step does this Vikings offense need to make in addition to Kirk making another ascension in his, in his mm -hmm. career? I just think there's a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of play calling. I mean, I, I felt like last year's run first approach got a little too conservative at times with a lot of the second and long runs. If you turn some of those first and 10 runs, second and long runs into passes. I just think with the passing game that you have and the weapons that you have, you're going to be more efficient offensively. Um, there were a lot of periods last year where the offense um, just kind of blacked out for a quarter or two. They led the league in three and outs. There were too many possessions given up oftentimes before the half uh, where they were just sacrificing opportunities to score. I just think that with a little better decision-making in the play-calling realm, I think this offense can move from, I think they were 11th in points last year, where I think top five is in the conversation. And you, you really need to fuel your success through the offense. I've said that many times. And I think if you pursue that sort of top five status, that's going to take a lot of pressure off your defense where they're not constantly having to protect the lead in the final seconds of the game. Yeah, well, I know next segment we got Brandon Warren, who's locked on, who's locked on Sports Twins Insider, and I want to talk about because I feel like there's a similarity between this Twins pitching situation and then the Vikings right guard situation. So there's a there's a a point or a question I want to ask to get his take on that. But before we get to that, I know we want to hear a word from our sponsors. Absolutely, thank you, Gabe. Let me tell you about Rock Auto. Uh, I don't know much about cars. I don't know if that's uh, that's something I should be admitting, but I, I really am not too savvy. I don't like to go to the, the auto parts store and have to poke around, not knowing what I'm looking for, and have to ask uh, someone who's going to look at me like I'm stupid. I would much rather browse for car parts in the comfort of my own home on rockauto.com. Why would I spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for parts from a chain store when they might not even be there with all these supply shortages? Uh, I'd rather support Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, reliably low prices for every customer. They've got brake parts. They've got tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. Explore their easy-to-use website today to find your solution to your auto part needs. RockAuto.com right now. See the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need 
rockauto.com. Time for Brandon Warren. All right, now we are to the portion of our show that Locked On Sports fans want to hear most. We got Locked On Twins insider Brandon Warren joining us. Um, late night for you last night. Um, the Twins pulled it off, but more importantly, you're here with us today. How you doing, man? I love the sign. <laughs> I've been doing those for the last few games, and it's getting a little traction, but we'll see. It's it's a lot of fun, and when they lose, you have a little fun with it. When they win, you have even more. So, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good morning. I, like I showed you my first cup of coffee, so I'm still kind of working through the early morning cobwebs, but the Twins got the W last night, 3-2. And it's always easier to get up in the morning when the Twins win than when they lose. And my Twitter feed is filled with people who are grumbling. Well, at least they can grumble about people uh, about our, our team winning. And the fact that I read your tweet, you said yeah. we are on pace. The Twins are on pace to win 93 games this year. I want to know, can they get 100? Uh, 100 wins this year. It's only been two teams that's done that in the Central Division since, I guess, in the last 17 years. And the Twins are one of those teams. So... Am I am I looking too far ahead, or is that possible with what we have seen thus far? I mean, it's it's going to take a really strong effort. I would never rule it out just because the rest of the division is not that good. You know, if you've got four other teams jockeying for, like, say, 76-ish wins, that leaves a lot of wins on the table for a team to take off. And it feels like the Twins are that team this season. Their pitching, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit, needs to get there. But they won a game with your guy, Chris Archer, going four innings, and then they're going to have two of their best guys here coming back in Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray. So usually they seem like they have a letdown game in every series, and that kind of felt like that might have been Monday night in Seattle. But it was – it was they, they went out and did everything they needed to do, and now you got to get excited about having the two big starters coming back. So I like their chances to shoot past that 93-win projection or prediction or I guess just pace uh but a hundred man that's that's gonna be tough so I remember some overachieving twins teams of the past 2015 2017 a lot of people would would write yeah well the the underlying analytics would say they're gonna regress or the expected win loss isn't very good do you think this twins team is overachieving do the numbers suggest that they're gonna come back to the pack in any way whether it's like an inordinate number of one-run wins or, you know, Luis Arise batting out of his head or some of the young guys hitting a little a little too well um, to the point where they might regress. Do you think that – is that a risk of that happening? Yeah, there is. And it's funny you bring that up because I was looking at their Pythagorean record. And so to make that easy, it's basically runs scored, runs allowed, and then they math it out to how many wins a team typically would have. And I think they were 34 and 29 on that. Mm -hmm. And I think they've won, what are they, 36 and 27. So they're plus two, which is not crazy. But they've been better in tighter games. To some extent, that can prove that you're overachieving a little bit. But also, two good teams just locked down the late innings. And Juan Duran has been, um, you know, my father, like I said on the, <laughs> the bulletin board here, uh, he's locked down some late games. And Emilio Pagan, it hasn't looked pretty, but it's been effective. You know, he's given up about a billion home runs. But he looked pretty solid last night, hit 97 on the gun, got a pretty good split. They're, they're doing the things necessary to win tight games, which to me, with pitching coming back and with some offensive guys getting healthy, makes it seem more likely that this is a legitimately good team that is not going to drop back into like a 500 pace and really have to worry that they're going to fall to like, let's say third in the division. Yeah. 
I want to say on that that pitching situation, we, we talked a little bit earlier, Chris Archer, uh, we're from the same area. Like I, I grew up watching Chris Archer since I was 10 years old. And I told you, there, in, the, in the city of Raleigh, North Carolina, there's not one restaurant that he'll go to that someone would take care of his meal. The guy is just a legend in the state. But I had someone ask me this the other day, and they asked it for the Vikings, just knowing that I work for the Vikings, but I'm going to ask it for the Twins. And i got to ask you, is the twin situation like the Vikings right guard situation, like where you just throw bodies at the position and, and hopefully one sticks? Yeah, you're looking for stability and you're hoping it comes in the form of someone that you maybe didn't see that hasn't worked in the past. I don't want to besmirch the great name of Alex Boone, but... You know, he certainly didn't play that well. I mean, maybe he was on the left side. I can't remember for sure. But throwing money at a problem doesn't always work. And I think we've seen that a lot of different times in free agency with the Vikings. And the Twins have not done that as much with pitching. They've done the, hey, let's see if this guy can recapture the magic. Because obviously Chris Archer was an absolute stud with the Rays. Like that trade that sent him to Pittsburgh brought back three legit amazing players. That goes to show, uh, prospects, sorry. That goes to just how well regarded for he had thoracic outlet syndrome. So, yeah, he's just he's been an absolute um, stud early in his career, and they're hoping to get him back to where he was. And the Twins are just that kind of team. They have a pipeline of young guys they want to get up here. COVID kind of waylaid that, and they've had some guys with elbow issues just because it's pitching, and that's going to happen. But in the meantime, yeah, they're just going to go get the Chris Archer, the J-Haps, the Matt Shoemakers, the, and sometimes it turns into an absolute disaster, as we saw last year. And then this year, Archer hasn't given him the length, but he's looked fairly solid. Brandon, of this cadre of sort of young, anonymous bullpen arms, we're kind of in, getting introduced to a lot of them this year for the first time as, as Twins followers. Who's your favorite? Who do you think uh, is sustainably good? Who can, can be a key linchpin to this bullpen going forward? I wouldn't have said it before, but I think it might be Griffin Jacks. I think we all expect a guy like Joan Duran who throws 100-plus miles per hour. You just you throw that hard, you have to be good. With Jacks, I think he had like a 6 ERA last year. He was giving up homers by the bucket load. And he comes out this year throwing 96. He's throwing darts out there. And in shorter bursts, we've seen that happen. Glenn Perkins did it. And Tyler Duffy did it to some extent, Trevor May to some extent, Taylor Rogers especially. You got the uh, the starters who come out and throw harder. But you look like, because not everybody progresses the same. Jax has picked up velocity. He's got a good slider. And even the changeup is kind of a show-me thing where you can keep guys off balance. And right now, I second in their power rankings, if you were to do a bullpen power ranking behind Duran. And I don't think anybody would have seen that coming coming into this season. And so for me, he's probably the most sustainable, but I like a lot of these guys. Jarrell Cotton has that funny changeup. I guess he's not super young, but he's new to the twins. And then a lot of these young guys have different, uh, different angles, different pitches, different, like they, last night they had six relievers and they went like soft righty, hard righty, lefty. And like, they just, they went all over the map. And then they come at you with Duran, who's like nothing you've seen. And then Pagan comes in and closes it out. So I, I think the bullpen is creative. And I think, too, that might even be more of an apt comparison to the Vikings right guard because they're trying so many things out there.
Well, we, we know this. Uh, yeah, they, they are. And the Vikings are trying to figure their right guard position out also. And we always say, if you can, if you have a really good old line, that can propel you to that ultimate goal. You have a really good bullpen that can propel you to that ultimate goal. So do you think, I'm, 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 this is my last question. Do you think the Twins are the next team to actually win a championship here for Minnesota fans? Wow, that's tough because I really got on the bandwagon of the Wolves this year, and I think the Vikings are are solid. And even the Wild, I mean, how can you hate on any of these teams yeah. right now? The, you know, the biggest disappointment has been how the Lynx have started this season just because, you know, your superstar's pregnant. And we saw last year with the Braves, when you're struggling in the middle of the season and you trade for a couple of guys, one of them being Eddie Rosario, someone very familiar to Twins fans, you never know what will happen. They had... Uh, one of their pitchers blow out a, a wheel. I think it was his ankle. And he was like a stud. They had all kinds of bad things go wrong and still won the World Series. You don't need things to be perfect to win the World Series. And I think Twins fans lose sight of that. This team right now, the balance, they got kind of that it factor. And they just seem to genuinely like each other. I really like this team. I'm not saying they're going to win 100 games, sweep their way to the World Series, and be listed with the 1927 Yankees. But... I, I, it's like I always say, enjoy the ride because the destination might suck. If this season is fun and they lose in the playoffs, don't throw away the season because they didn't do anything in the playoffs. Vikings fans, I hope you heard that. Yeah. Don't throw away <laughs> well, the season. Well, I'm a Vikings fan, so that's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well uh, Sam, you got anything else before we go to break? Uh, buyers at the deadline, Brandon? Yeah, yeah. I think they have to add pitching. Maybe not necessarily a big-time starter. But, you know, they love those projects, the guy they think they can make a slider look better from. And that was what Chris Paddock was going to be until his elbow went. So, um, yeah, I do. Uh, do you have a time for me to tell a Chris Archer story, by the way? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we were teasing this off the air, but he was at a restaurant here in Minneapolis. I think this was back in his Tampa Bay days. And he saw Max Kepler, and he's like, oh, send that, send that man a bottle of wine, you know, kind of. And so anyhow, that was probably like a Friday night, I think. And then they faced off on Sunday and Kepler homered off him. And he's like, man, I wish I hadn't done that. He's just like, come on, man, I take care of you. And this is how you take care of me. So I've never forgotten that story. I heard it, I think it was probably like four or five years ago. And uh, I'm sure they had a good laugh over that when, when Archer joined the team this year. <laughs> yeah, that's a story he, he, he will not forget. And I'm, I'm sure he no. learned that lesson. Are, are you a fan of, have, have either of you watched the, uh, the Winning Time docuseries on uh, no. HBO Max? no. No, I mean to. I've been meaning to for sure. So long story short, there's a there's a a small story in that where Dr. J, before the first time he played Magic Johnson, I think it was Magic Johnson's rookie season, he took Magic Johnson out to eat, you know, wine and dined him, was like, hey, you know, wishing you good luck tomorrow, right? So Magic was like, okay, I got a friend in the league. The next game, Magic uh, Dr. J went off for like 45 and didn't shake his hand after the game. So you live, you learn, and you grow from there. So I'm sure Chris Archer has learned from that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brandon Warren, appreciate your time today, man. Um, appreciate you joining us. I know there's a long, long season left to go. So uh, drink your coffee, have some fun, and let us know how the Twins do. Almost 100 games left, my friends. So it's a while yet. All right, before we get to the Daily Three, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Sam? Built Bar. I don't know if you've had these, Gabe, but they are absolutely delectable. Chocolate peanut butter chocolate coconut white chocolate berry you want to try all three get a mixed box at built.com right now 
They're super different from the bars and puffs, which we've talked about in the past. They're loaded with granola, the perfect combo of crunch and chewiness. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors to try. Again, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Well, yeah, if you if you do like chocolate, you can have mine because I'm not a chocolate fan. I don't eat it. So order two if you got the chance because long story short, we got to get some chocolate bars in, in your tummies and get your energy up. But long story, before we get to the daily, well, now we move on to the daily three for the third segment. And uh, Sam, I'll let you start this thing off. You got it. Um, I think we got to start with the NBA Finals. Game five last night. Warriors win by 10 despite an ice-cold Steph Curry night. This is a salt-in-the-wound game for Minnesota fans, Gabe, because Andrew Wiggins was the MVP of the game. He was the star. He might be the second-best warrior in this series. And he's about to become, Gabe, I don't know if you're, you're aware of the local history and trauma, he's about to become the third franchise star to leave the Wolves and win a championship. Garnett, Love, and Wiggins is one game away. Uh, give me your thoughts, NBA Game 5, NBA Finals. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, from your point of how everything worked out for the Warriors last night with Steph not having a good game, Clay finally showing up, Draymond having eight points, and it felt like 38 points. <laughs> to Andrew Wiggins being the MVP of that game, I, I, I do empathize with Minnesota fans, but I think my biggest takeaway is that we we witnessed history last night, right? It's the first time that Steph Curry has not made a <laughs> yeah. three corner since 2018 in a game. And I know that's not the the history that the side of history he wants to be on, but the fact that we've seen the greatest shooter in the game have historic nights, night in and night out. And the fact that we watched on the biggest stage of basketball him not have a three, I was like, okay, like I got something to tell my kids. I don't have kids right now, but this is this is something that we can tell them because everybody's, I mean, I'm sure our kids are going to go to the gym uh, 10 to 15 years from now and still be calling out Steph Curry, Steph Curry. And I could be that guy of like, hey, I was alive and I witnessed the night that he didn't score a three. But I think it's going to be hard for 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 the Celtics to, to try to close this thing out and win two straight. I, I think if any team could do that against the Warriors, the Celtics could do that. But this, this Warriors team is battle-tested. It's going to be tough. To, to beat those guys twice, one at home, and then close them out in Golden State at the Chase Center with that crowd, good luck. Um, but I, I, I can just see Clay at least going for 50 in game six. We knew, I mean, everybody knows how game six Clay shows up. Like Steph Curry doesn't even have to show up on game six. I just think Clay is going to drop 50. Uh, Andrew's going to drop 20. Jordan Poole's going to do his thing. And they're just going to win like that. So the fact that they have to guard uh, four players now, Including well, including Jordan Poole, five five players on. You have to defend five players on on the court. I think that's going to be uh, tough for this Celtics team. Just just going down the stretch. And my last point, um, I said this last night when I was watching the game. The Warriors are only as good as their fourth star on the team. So rewind back to pre KD. That was Harrison Barnes. When Harrison Barnes had Harrison Barnes had had good games. He's he's from Iowa, right? He's from Iowa, so that's that's a bordering state. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think so. Whenever Harrison Smith had a a good game, Harrison Barnes had a good Harrison game. Smith, the hit man. Yeah, Harrison, if Harrison Smith has a good game, all Vikings fans are happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if Harrison Barnes has a good game, the Warriors won. When KD played well, when KD joined that big three, whenever he had a really big game, they were unbeatable. Now, Andrew Wiggins. Whenever Andrew Wiggins puts up points and has a solid game, they ultimately win. So Clay's going to Clay. Steph is going to Steph. Draymond, he's going to give you, you know, a couple of texts and a couple of fouls, and he's going to make a couple of passes. But it's dependent on that fourth star, which is Andrew Wiggins. If Andrew Wiggins has 20-plus points in either game six or game seven, the Warriors will win. Next point. All right. Baker Mayfield. He is just, he's in this NFL purgatory right now. He, he's at odds with the Browns. They excused him from minicamp. Well, Dan Graziano of ESPN.com theorized that the Vikings could be a landing spot. He gave three landing spots. The Vikings were one of them where Mayfield could go. On a scale of one to 10, Gabe, how insane is that suggestion that <laughs> Baker Mayfield could be a Viking? I'm going to go nine and a half. And I, I won't say 10 because I don't want to – I never say never because anything can happen. But I, I just couldn't see Baker Mayfield here as a Viking. Like, why, why would you need him as a backup quarterback? You don't need that press if you're Quasi Adolfo Mensa or, or Kevin O'Connell. I do think he fits this offense. He does like to improvise a lot. He does like to, you know, pull the ball down and run. He, he will make contested throws. He will throw guys open. That's something that – you know, Kirk doesn't do as much. Kirk is a little bit more safe. He's not going to fit the ball in tight windows if he doesn't have to. Baker's going to do that regardless. So I don't think that fits his style of play. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins just signed an extension. It, it's just it's it's just impossible for that to happen. Like I say, I won't say never, but at the same time, I mean, bringing in a guy in Baker Mayfield, he'll have to learn the offense, figure everything out in a short span just to be the backup. And you got Kellen Mond, who's raising his level of play and his turning heads and training in uh, OTAs and minicamp, I, I just can't see it happening. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I mean, I don't want to get too far into the, you know, the deal of everything that's going on in, in, in Cleveland with the Sean Watson situation, but there's a really good chance if he sticks this thing out, he can be the starter on day one. So I don't think that's happening. He'll be here in Minnesota, but who knows? What about you? I mean, it's it's a 9.8 out of 10 on the insane <laughs> scale. I, I don't know how you, you look at the Vikings cap situation and, and figure out how they're going to absorb that. I mean, if it's a trade, you would have to need a bunch of salary to make that work because Mayfield's on the fifth-year option. You're not going to extend Mayfield when you have Cousins. And Cousins has no trade clause. So, like, there's a very good chance Cousins will be here next year as well. There's a lot of oversight in that question. Um, it, it got us talking, I think, mission accomplished for ESPN, but I, I don't see how that works. And why would the Vikings voluntarily, like, if you're going to get a new quarterback, you get a rookie. You get someone who's right. under team control, who's cheap. You don't go, I think, downgrade from Cousins to Mayfield, who's also going to be pretty expensive and doesn't have that upside that that a, a younger quarterback would. So, yep, that's pretty nuts. Um, yeah. Any Any yeah. final point on that? Yeah, I mean, it, that's that. I feel like that comment by Dan Graziano is almost as absurd as Colin Coward's comment of that the Vikings will be sixteen and one this year. I'm like, dude, <laughs> that, that's where you that's where you insert the Stephen A. Stay off the weed. Like you you insert there, you insert that at that point because it's just like, hold on, like we 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 all hope the Vikings, you know, have a really good season, ultimately win the Super Bowl, but sixteen and one, 
And doing that with Baker Mayfield, nah, I'm not. I'm not with that. That's my last one on that. What did Colin? How many games did Colin think the Vikings won last year? Like he had to have been thinking that they were like a four-win te- or five-win right. team. Yeah, because he never actually said sixteen. He just said they're going to double their win total. Um, right. Too bad they weren't nine and eight, because then that would have put him at like eighteen wins. <laughs> uh, last one in the daily three. Um, what did I have? Oh yeah, give me a player from last year's Vikings roster game who is not around anymore. Someone who's departed who they are going to miss the most this season? Um, I'm, I'm going to say Xavier Woods, safety that uh, we signed last year from the Dallas Cowboys that came in, made plays immediately, was probably the MVP of our defense like the first six or seven games, just being always being in the right position at the right times. And the chemistry that he had with our secondary, with Harrison Smith, that is something that we're going to miss. Of course, we know the upside of Lewisine is going to be a lot higher than a guy in Xavier Woods. But right now, Xavier Woods can continue to make plays. I know he's in Carolina right now. He's on the, the Carolina Panthers defense with um, uh, uh, Jeremy Chin, uh, the safety that they have down there. And I feel like that's going to bode well for that defense. But Xavier Woods, man, he, he provided a spark for this defense. I know a lot of people say Anthony Barr did too. And Anthony Navarro will probably be my second player that we'll miss the most. But Xavier Woods, I think he did a lot of things last year that that went unnoticed. There were some a couple of laws that happens to everybody and during some course in the year. I'm just thinking about the Arizona Cardinals game where uh, Kyler Murray had the breakdown play. He rolled right, rolled left, and then threw it on the run. And um, I can't think of the, the receiver's name, but he was open basically 70 yards down the field. Rondale and, Moore. There you go. Yep. So Rondale Moore – just looked, looked at Xavier Woods and was like, why are you so far away from me? So <laughs> Xavier Woods, I, I think, will be a guy that will be missed heavily on this Vikings defense. I think that will continue to to decrease as Lewisine gets more confidence in this defense. But we're, we're going to miss that guy. What about you? Yeah, you know, I know injuries were an issue with this guy, but Michael Pierce, I mean, he Harrison Phillips coming in is a nice, a nice replacement, but – Michael Pierce just has such unique size that he can do things physically that no one else can. And I would have loved to see him anchoring the three, four. I just think yeah. that Pierce in that role could have thrived. And I know there's always the, the injury risk with him, but um, we unfortunately didn't get to see much Michael Pierce. Like he signed that three-year deal, you know, in 2020 and you thought, all right, this is our anchor for three years. And you got about 10 games, right? You know, yeah. the COVID season and then, and then kind of injury plague last year. Had good flashes, had good moments, and I think in a different scheme, he might have been able to thrive. I know he wasn't quite the run stopper that they hoped last year, but I think I would still have liked to see him again. Yeah, that that would have been great having him back. Um, I, I totally understand the business aspect of, you know, if a guy's not available, you, you, you don't want to spend that money on him. And I'm glad he's found a home or well, didn't have to sell his home in Baltimore, and he's finally a Baltimore Raven again. So I'm glad he didn't have to go too more or too far of a change, but he definitely would have been a staple in this 3-4 defense for the Minnesota Vikings. Just his explosion, his power, his speed, his strength. Um, that would have served us well. But I think Harrison Smith, I mean Harris, see, there's so many Harrisons. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna start just just saying uh Harrison three, but Harrison, Harrison Hand. Yeah, Harrison Hand, Harrison Smith, Harrison Phillips. Um, but you look at that and you just say, okay, well, this is a guy in Harrison Phillips who's proven to be solid 
if you give him the opportunity to play. He was in Buffalo the last four seasons. They were top three defense through the last four seasons. So I think we got a really good acquisition on this D-line, but if you could have mixed him with Michael Pierce and a Dalvin Tomlinson, oh, my gosh, that would have been a, a, a sight to see. But we'll see how this thing works out. We hope that hopefully this defense will – you know, make another step in the right direction. I mean, they have to. They were, you know, second worst in almost every category. So if, if they're 30th this year, that's a that's a step in the right direction. So we'll see how this thing works out. And right. hopefully uh, Michael Pierce has a really good year in Baltimore this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Pierce, great guy, by the way. That That's another yeah. reason that we'll miss him because he's just an awesome locker room dude, fun guy to interview. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, just this football season, man. And I appreciate this opportunity just to be able to talk football and locked on sports on the Ron Johnson show and, and talk to Brandon Warren about the Twins. There, There's a lot of buzz in this city right now. I, I've moved here. I moved here two years ago when the city wasn't as great. And now fast forward two years now where things are starting to be on the up and up. Sports are starting to come back. Fans are in attendance. I mean, Minnesota sports are, are, are winning. So when you have that buzz in the city, that makes for – a really good energy and hopefully that energy trans over transitions over um, to the TCO performance center where the Minnesota Vikings house their players and all of their staff. So uh, Ron Johnson, appreciate you. Um, I don't know where you are right now, but thank you for letting me host your show and in, in your absence. And thank you locked on sports fans for allowing me to, to come into your homes or your phones or your computers or wherever you listen today. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you guys again, Sam Ekstrom. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Great show, Gabe. That was fun. Let's do it again, my man. Absolutely. See you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.